Welcome to another episode of the Searchers Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm here today with my two co-hosts, Chris and Kevin. Say hi, guys. Hey, everybody. And this week we are covering a movie from the 90s. I'll let you take it away, Christopher. Yes, sir. So today my pick was a movie from 1991 called Rush. It's, I feel, a relatively lesser known movie. How I discovered it was from a mutual friend of all three of us, uh, Dr. Ostentatious from Letterboxd. Uh, you guys know him, right? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, all know who he, we all know who he is. So we I'm going to give a shout him. out. All right, give a shout out to Austin. Do, do you have his, ad, <laughs> his address, his social security number, all that good stuff? <laughs> I don't. Very important <laughs> stuff there, Chris. <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. Austin. <laughs> So i uh, give a shout out to Austin and he put this on my radar because a month ago I saw and reviewed a movie called Gladiator from 1992 and I had described this movie to him. It's a movie that he and I both love and because I, li- I love that movie so much, he recommended to me Rush. So it was in the vein of sort of over the top. Gladiator is over the top, has a bit of a cornball feel to it but it's also awesome in its own way. Basically right up my alley. And I'm not sure I really described it or gave it justice there. So Rush is supposed to be in the same vein per Austin. And uh, I was intrigued enough to have all three of us give it a go and see what we thought of it. So I, I, I had no idea what it was about. It looked intriguing. The poster art is really cool. Has And the cast is actually pretty neat too. Uh, very different. You have Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers in a almost wordless villain role. You have Sam Elliott in a supporting role. And Jennifer Jason Lee stars with Jason Patrick. So that's how I'll, I'll intro this. And you guys have anything you want to say on first impressions of what you thought from the poster or cast? So or I, ha- I have the, um, the Kino Lorber Blu-ray in my hand right now. So, oh, the, that's right, Ben. The, yeah, the, Ben went all out and got the, that. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was less than 20 bucks, <laughs> so why not? Um, I can read the synopsis on the back. It's pretty funny. If you, yeah, if, do it. Go for it. And then uh, it. you two can add to it if uh, it purposely leaves out things. <laughs> what happens when two cops stop loving their job and start living it? This emotionally riveting, powerful, and unsparing film exposes the plight of two narcotics officers who cross the line and become enmeshed in the dangerous but intoxicating underbelly of the drug world. Jason Patrick and Jennifer Jason Lee give rich, full-blooded performances as undercover officers Jim Rayner and Kristen Cates, partners who become lovers and addicts as they infiltrate the local drug scene in order to bring down a suspected drug lord. But as their relationship intensifies and their drug use turns to abuse... The fine line between the good guys and the bad guys becomes as blurry as the drug-induced vision. Lily Finney Zanuck makes her directorial debut in this gut-wrenching thriller featuring songs by rock icon Eric Clapton and a stellar supporting cast that includes Sam Elliott, Max Perlick, and rock legend Greg Ullman. There you go. There it is. I was pretty intrigued by this because you have an early 90s aesthetic going on, and we all, I assume love Mr. Sam Elliott. Gotta love, the, gotta love the stash. Oh, of course. Gotta love the stash <laughs> at the very least, right? Not, not as good as Tom Selleck's, but very close. 
Oh, you think so, yeah. Ben? That's a I, rivalry of mustaches I, right there. I know, I know so, Kevin. I know so. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for nothing. Kind of <laughs> not for nothing. Uh, not for nothing. Mr. Kurt Russell, circa, you know, last 10 years, has a pretty mm-hmm. gnarly facial hair game. Yeah, oh, dude. He, he's bringing it back. The tombstone, yeah. this tombstone mustache plus beard, <laughs> plus beard, and it's it's like fuller and it's intense. I mean, he, intense. He, he did, I don't think he, he still has it. I don't. He did. Don't know. He did play Santa Claus. He did. He did. You're there's right. Like, are there like three of those Netflix movies already, or two? I think. <laughs> yeah. So, where does that leave us? Okay. So. Well, well, I'm going to build upon what you said. You said there's a 90s aesthetic. Yes. But the movie's supposed to take place in the 1970s. Boom, okay. Did so you did you knew no, that, right? A knock towards I did know that yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So 1974. I since I got the Blu-ray and we had you gave me what, 2 or 3 weeks before we had to record this episode. Uh so I watched yeah. I watched the movie and then a few days later watched the commentary. And that was one of the things um, that kind of struck me as like, it's supposed to be the seventies, but it really doesn't look like it, it looked like the nineties, the late eighties, early nineties to me. <laughs> um, and the director, Lily Finney Zanuck, who's daughter of Richard Daryl Zanuck or R- Richard D. Zanuck of what's that Zanuck productions or whatever, or I guess Richard D. Zanuck productions. He, they did a bunch of movies in the seventies and eighties. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she just mentioned, like, yeah, the costume designer didn't really think the '70s was that attractive. So she kind of toned down the '70s like costumes. And I'm like, why did you do that? It would have been, it would have been so cool. But whatever. Um, but other than that, I have a, I have a lot of notes here. But uh, I want to let you lead, Chris, since you picked. Yeah. So I want to start off by saying what I really appreciated about the film, and I think that's. Jennifer Jason Lee. I have always liked her and there are certain roles that she's done over the years that I, I love that she's done. I think this is one of them. I, I really like her here. I don't know what your thoughts are guys. Yeah, I liked her a lot too. Um, but you know, like well, one thing, uh, about this film that I what yeah. So Chris, you said, uh, J- Jennifer Jason Lee, she's is she your most favorite part about the film? Like favorite aspect in terms of performance or just everything about I th- Rush? I think it's between. I I think in regards to performance, so I I oh, okay. I think it's between her and I think I sort of like how they attempted the villain with Greg Allman. It, it I think it still sort of hit, hit, misses the mark, but. I agree. It's it's, inter- yeah. it's, inter- it's interesting. Like it, it's an interesting attempt. Um, yeah, they they play. They try to play this quiet nature uh, for Greg. They try to make him a very imposing villain as someone uh, to be intimidated by. But I don't. I don't think they sold that as well as it should have been sold. So uh, yeah, he's. But he's. Oh, yeah. I'll give it. I'll give it that he. I'll give it to you that he's. I think he's imposing. I just don't know if, if he had the charisma yeah I agree well, he, he like like you said he doesn't talk at all i thought i i, per, I personally think it was awful um like, oh yeah like 
when his, his performance or well or? no he did what he was he definitely did what he was supposed to do what he was told to do but he's not an actor so they didn't i, I don't know they mentioned it briefly in the commentary but i don't know if they purposely didn't give him lines because they they thought he couldn't deliver or they just wanted him to be this kind of like quiet imposing force but i didn't think he was intimidating at all like a drug lord usually think he's like you know if you think of just all these you know good fellows or any standard mob movie like the top drug kingpin's usually a crazy guy who, like you don't want to mess with and he didn't like he didn't have that at all it was kind of weird i guess he I, really yeah, just has I he really just that. has that in that intro scene with the in, in the car like it's it's actually a pretty compelling intro scene because I, I do like that scene we, i do like that scene because it's that one yeah, it's so that the, one it's that one shot that yeah, one that, shot that, mm-hmm. no go ahead kevin yeah that's something i really wanted to talk about uh i was going to mention something about the performances but when it comes to technical aspects about the film that's something that i really want to talk about in the beginning when you're introduced to to greg allman's will Gaines, despite the fact that we all three agree he wasn't really much of an imposing villain and ben just mentioned that he was he's awful <laughs> but and chris you just said that the very beginning he you think he, he kind of sold it at the very end of that intro when he pulls the guy out of his uh, out of the backseat of his car Yes, and I think so. So I think he, okay, so, I think he should have killed the guy. My opinion. <laughs> then that would have been yeah. That would have that would have probably said, solidified. That would have solved. That would have solidified the performance. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I can that's, see that. That's a fair critique. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. But one thing I wanted to, I want to point out is that with Lily Zanuck, I thought that that one shot really the very beginning of this film kind of showcased her like you know skillful techniques. And in the beginning with that one shot, you know, viewers are introduced to Will Gaines and not just Will Gaines, but when the camera follows him throughout the dingy bar and you see all the mindless drinking and dancing and the stoic faces, including his, you're introduced to the nature of that criminal underworld and the underworld as to which Jason Patrick and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's characters are about to succumb themselves to. So I thought in terms of environment in terms of atmosphere i thought it sold that idea really well it was a very very smooth introduction with that one shot and you get to see what kind of a monstrous person will Gaines is but i do agree with the fact that it just wasn't sold as well as it sh- as well as it should have been but i thought that the intro sold the atmosphere of the entire film really well and from there i felt like the transitions didn't even miss a beat the film just kept going and going and going you kind of forget about the runtime so i thought in terms of technicalities in terms of filmmaking it really worked in that sense and probably would not have worked as well had it's not been jason patrick and jennifer jason lee so at least we had i think two strong actors to play the two protagonists of the story yeah i don't think you're wrong jason patrick is interesting i'm not sure if i've really ever seen him in anything before you've never seen you've never seen the lost boys oh nope i have seen that but see it's been so long it's been so long that i wouldn't have been able to tell you that he was even in the movie oh he's the lead Uh, that's my one of my favorite well, it is my favorite Halloween movie because I don't watch regular horror movies. That's more of like a team coming of age 
quote unquote horror, you know, vampire horror, but it's not very, yeah, not super duper, you know, scary or nothing. But that was <laughs> only a couple of years before this. And I feel like he kind of took that role and just added like the strung out drug dealer and kind of just merged those two together. Um, there wasn't a, you know, it just seemed like the character from that movie was just, you know, basically stoned or high the whole time or, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, Kevin, to build upon what you said about that, the technical stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I thought some of the direct, uh, some of, uh, Lily Finney's the Nux. I'm just going to call her, uh, Lily from now on. Cause it's easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, some of her, I thought some of her choices for the camera angles were just kind of bizarre, but, um, I I, get that. I did like the first, the first shot, the first one cut shot and uh, how she used like he's, um, Greg Allman's opening the safe and taking out the money. I thought that was cool. Um, Mm -hmm. and then there's another shot kind of after that whole sequence, there's, you know, the introduction to Jason Patrick where he's like putting eye drops in his eyes because, um, again, I guess at the point at the time, you don't know that he's probably, you know, has a pr- drug problem, but looking back, it's because he's, you know, been doing drugs and he's trying to, he's going into the police station to like drop off evidence, yes. which yeah, I want to also touch upon a lot of, of that, that too. And a lot of other things about the story. Um, yeah, but, sure. but technically after that, a few scenes go by and then he's talking to Sam Elliott and they're looking for his new partner, which obviously happens to be, it's, it, Jennifer Jason Lee gets picked, but they're looking at a bunch of people like run track. Um, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a moment there where the camera's on, on the two of them. And then it kind of like almost goes through the fence and then turns around and the fence is still there. So that was another technical, yeah. a technical yeah. thing that she did. She, uh, in the commentary, she even mentioned she was proud of that. She's like, I came up with that and that was cool. And I, I'll give her that. Awesome. There's, there's a couple of, um, we're going out of order, but since we're just on the technical kind of stuff, there's a scene in which Jason Patrick is trying to hide up his uh, needle marks, and I thought that was good, where he where he takes an iron and burns himself, and it was like uh, yeah. the shot was from the back. Yeah, that, that was a good I shot. I to talk about that, too. That was yeah, a very, cool shot. Was a very, yeah. So there was a... There was a he just threw the water. There was some stuff in there, like, peppered in, but I still kind of thought it showed that she was a first-time director. Um, I don't know. It just, well, it, 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 just it just kind of seems like she was experimenting with a bunch of different stuff, and she didn't really knew what she didn't really know what she wanted to do. That's what it, that's how it came I, off to me. I get that. That makes that makes perfect sense though, because if you look at her credits, she's only directed, gosh, four or five. That this films. is this is the only feature movie she's directed. Wait, the rest, this is, this yeah. Is, the rest, yes, the rest correct. are all like documentaries or something. This yes, is only this is her, Yeah, that's all she's done, TV shows and documentaries, right? Rush is her only feature film. Feature film. And that prior was what I to, wanted to mention. And prior to Rush, a year before she or even a less maybe yet less than a year than when she started filming Rush, she had won her Oscar for Best Picture for Driving Miss Daisy in uh for 1990, 1991, and Rush came out in 1991. Mm. So as a producer, she got her yeah. Oscar as a producer. And then went right into her directorial debut. That's with Rush. How I, I wow. That's another one of the bullet points I have written down. She definitely only got this direct this directing job because of that. I mean, from getting the Oscar. <laughs> um, she even mentions like I would have never asked to be a director until after I got my Oscar. She said that. Um, so oh, she says that. Wow. Yeah. So 
and her dad was like the main producer. So it's just a bunch of a little bit of a nepotism right there. Yeah, it's a nepotism. It's um, a, it's all about connections. Which I, like I'm that. not going to hold that. I'm not going to hold that against her because how many other people in the in Hollywood have been getting jobs just because they know people? Uh, probably 95 percent of them. So whatever. Yeah, it's the whole business. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just thought we should bring attention to that because um, it just kind of felt like, hey, I'm watching this movie, but like I think the trend, the editing was pretty. The editing was pretty solid. But there was just a, some compositions mm-hmm. where I'm like, this is kind of, I don't know if, it, I don't think it was, as Chris would say, the blocking. Uh, I'm not a technical guy when it comes no. to that stuff, but I don't think it was the blocking. <laughs> I think it was just like either camera movements or like the, the angle she was cho- uh, chosen to start with and end with kind of seemed off. I don't know. It was, again, uh, the technical, that kind, of, that kind of technical stuff doesn't bother me most of the time, but I just noticed it for some reason, this movie. Yeah, Ben, I totally get that. I think really the problem was that there you can kind of see these attempts to create a an, an interesting framing of the camera. So, I mean, I don't think uh, in, in in some areas where I feel that maybe it could have been simplified, there might have been instances where in she was trying to be creative and you could kind of tell that she was trying to be creative. For example, you mentioned that one shot going through the fence. I mean, that would that was cool. But I think from then on, there might have been some parts in which she was trying to follow up with something else. But, Ke- besides, like, but Kevin, yeah. is that was that fence shot even necessary? No, I, I think <laughs> I think I, I think a lot of the stuff she was doing was she was trying to put this kind of flair for yeah exactly almost no re- exactly. no reason like I think you would have just said exactly hey don't even do that save the freaking money you probably spent like a whole two days trying to get that one little shot and they're literally talking in the first five minutes of the movie it's not even an important yeah, shot exactly so exactly it's yeah. not it's not necessary it, but you know of course like it is interesting but so, yeah it's not necessary <laughs> so yeah I I have a lot to say about uh, Miss Lily. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I just think that this whole movie. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that's worth praising, but I think a lot of the movie is just her trying to like not make a music video, but just kind of. It just felt like fangirling a lot. Um, yeah. So, so like the the whole uh, we have. I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Or no, I did mention it in the little uh, Kino Lorber the Blu-rays uh, description of the movie. Um, Eric Clapton did the did the score, and she. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go into the whole story, but this is right around when his son died, um, and that's the whole. You know, I'll let someone else take the thunder for the song, but um, yeah, I really, I she, really she, want to talk about that. She asked him, like, I guess a couple, maybe six months before that, to to score the movie, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to score any movie I don't see, so like. Let me watch it, I guess, with like temp music in there. Um, but again, she had to ask him like 50 times and then his son died. Then he eventually, I guess, for some reason, he wanted to do it. So he did. And he ended up doing it. And that's why we got Eric Clapton in this movie. I think her going after Eric Clapton was totally unnecessary. It felt like total like, oh, my God, I listened to him in high school. I have to have him score my first movie. It just felt <laughs> it just felt very like, Why? Um, and I think that also feeds I in. I think that feeds into her decision on trying to cast Greg Allman. Like, clear, I mean, he's a '70s guy too, and she was the perfect date. She would have been like 15 to 20 when he was making all his hits. So it just felt like, like 
kind of just convenience. Fangirling. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I already said definitely, that. But... Definitely fangirling. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, like I, I you're really uh, selling the idea. Yeah, it, it does feel that way. I guess. But I'm going the... to I'm going to step down off my negative Nancy soapbox because I have a I have a lot <laughs> of little nitpicks like that. But I wanted to let you guys kind of talk well, let, ben, talk more me... about it. And I have some story. I have some actual plot things that I have. I need. I want to bring up. But yeah, I'll let you guys go. Absolutely, Kevin. Do you want to say something before I say something? Well, oh no, no, you go ahead, Chris. I mean, I, I'm, I think like what I'm about to say is going to be related to the stuff that Ben mentioned earlier. So yeah, you, you go for it. Okay, so I was just gonna say, in counter to Miss Lily, and the qualms we may or may not have. Let's flip the script a little bit, and let me ask you two. What if you were to think of films that cover drugs? like heavy drug topics. And if we were to take it a step further and do the pull, you know, the good guy getting sucked down the hole of all these bad habits, is there, is there a golden standard for you? Have you seen a lot of movies that do this? So for me, the only film, I don't think this, it could fit in some areas in many areas of rush. Maybe this movie cannot fit, but I haven't seen this one in a long time. I haven't seen it since college, but Requiem okay. for a Dream seems to be something that might be fitting in terms of a film that covers the the hellish addiction. nature of drug of addiction. Yes, addiction, drug use, stuff like that. With uh, hellish Jared nature Leto. is a good way to put it. That's a good way exactly. to put it. Also, yes, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, I don't really remember much of the story and how it portrays or the kind of it's goal just, that they want it's to. Just, it's just a bunch like, of degenerates what? doing drugs for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So rush in a way has this kind of, there's a thematic uh, idea about drug use. Whereas, you know, you see both characters delving into, they're trying to disappear along with the demons in this hellish environment headed by Greg Allman's will Gaines. There, you know, you, you kind of are on that road down to hell with them. However, you're merely an observer. So luckily, when it gets to the very, uh, very, I don't want to say dramatic, it's a very, it's a lot more than dramatic. It's a very antagonizing or a very uh, desperate moment in which Jennifer Jason Lee's character is trying to, spoilers, trying to save uh, Jason Patrick's life. It gets to, within that, there is also the idea of not just kind of succumbing to the drugs or joining the demons in hell. There's also the idea of what happens when you not only play with addiction, but you also play with levels of dishonesty and injustice when you're trying to actually use these particular vices, such as drug addiction, to bring criminals to justice. and. So, okay. I, I don't want to... Did we want to like get into the plot a lot more? I would say you kind of have to. But I, before, you, before, point, you get, right? before you go on, I'm going to answer Chris's question too. Um, yeah. I don't really have... like I don't watch a lot of movies where it's like just drug... Drug use is the center piece of the, of the movie. Usually it's like, you know, something like Scarface, for example... It's got a lot of drugs in it, but it's it's actually a guy just going down the rabbit hole of the of the mob and basically becoming a kingpin, and then what happens to him? It, like the drug use is kind of tertiary, right? 
Um, but it's on the peripheral. Yeah. So yeah. this movie, I don't think there. I don't think you can name. I don't think any. I don't think all, any of us right now could name a, another movie about cops in which the centerpiece is their addiction and their withdrawal and all that kind of stuff. I don't think they're. I don't think they exist. So I will give her, uh, Lily. I'll, I'll give her credit because she wanted to do this movie. She read the script, um, and just she kind of was attracted to doing this film. So I'll give her credit and say it was an original thought. Um, and I do think, um, if you go, if you skip the first ten minutes, nah, let's fifteen. If you skip the first fifteen minutes and cut off the last ten minutes you might actually have a pretty decent film, but I think, I think she was trying to do, I think, well, not, I don't know if it's her or whoever wrote the script. They were just trying to do too much. And I'm, I didn't read the book that it's based off of, and I don't even know the title of it, but I know it's based off of one. I'm not sure how um, faithful it is to that. If it was trying to be extremely, if the script was trying to be extremely faithful, but I think, I do think that the focus, like the drug part, does do a lot of good things and a lot of, a lot of things correct. Um, and it's, you know, effective, but I just have a, a couple problems with this, the plot and how we get there. Um, I will say Ben that there's at least one film I know where the focus turns into the cop dealing with drug addiction and it happens to predate this movie. And that film is French connection too. I don't know oh, if either of you have seen it. No, I've so, been meaning to watch that one, actually. So it's a John Frankenheimer movie. I can't recall the year off the top of my head. It's a few it's years. Probably like 74, 75, I would guess, because the first one came out. might even be a little bit late. First one came out in 72, right? Yeah. 72, I believe, yeah. Maybe yeah. 77, whatever. It could have been like five years later. Anyway, French Connection 2 is interesting in the way that this film is interesting with its drugs the drug story at the center. It is 75. Because... Yeah, 75. Okay, so it was three years after. No, no, thanks for checking. So my point is, in that movie, Gene Hackman, he's he's chasing after the villain in the first movie still, but he's in Paris yeah, yeah. this time. And he's a, it's a fish-out-of-water story, and Hackman ends up going down this terrible spiral, and... It's it's a, it's a character study first and foremost, but there's a very fascinating drug angle in which Hackman is undergoing a hurdle both introspectively with his character but also in how he's a cop and how he handles crime and what exactly this drug is doing to him because now he's been chasing after drugs and he's been so straight laced his whole life that this is really the first time you get the idea. This is the first time that it's really sort of hit him. Um, was, so it's, it's, in, was he doing heroin? They get the, the villain that he's chasing after gets him hooked on heroin. Okay. So, and, so I, did he, and I haven't seen that movie. I've seen the first one. Wasn't, wasn't totally impressed. Think it's overpraised. So I never really felt like seeking mm-hmm. out, seeking out the second one. Um, yeah. so in that one, did, was he at least an effective police officer and did he get his job done to a degree more or less, or was he basically just kind of the same thing where, and I, I will say, I stand corrected. You, you, you got one. So that's good. Um, makes the conversation it's still unique, makes the conversation. But it's still better. unique. Yeah, no, I mean, still give credit to. Lily, I think it's a unique, 
even though the script came from a novel, it's I, I think it's a unique. Yeah, uh, I mean, not many of them exist. You know, little area of film, exactly, exactly. So, so, so in that film, did he was was Gene Hackman's character able to at least like get some arrest and stuff? Because that's kind of my problem here is like they show these cops. Well, yeah, okay. I, I have. I kind of wanted to go in logical order, but I'll just start now. No, they, they show these okay. they show these cops like trying to do their quote unquote jobs, and like they do their job for what maybe twenty minutes of the runtime, and then like the rest of it's just them being like absolutely terrible at their job. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't do they don't they accomplish nothing. They just get hooked on the drugs. They're buying all the drugs that you know they get they get money from their handler, uh, Sam Elliott. Um, is it always it always cuts to the Sam Elliott scene where they give where they give him the evidence and he just gives them money yeah, and it skips yeah. all of the all of the work yeah which mm-hmm. I I agree that's 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 definitely a downside so, so like well yeah. the thing is maybe you wanted to come into this film and and see that part of it maybe you just want to see the 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 character piece and not uh you know watching just another cop movie I mean I think most narcotics movies. Um. Well, now that I think about it, I guess no, it's a little different. Uh, the movie with Keanu Reeves, oh, what's it called? Street Kings, maybe. Where uh, there's a, there might be a one or two other narcotics movies out there where like the guy, the main guy, is like addicted or an alcoholic or something. He's got some kind of addiction and he still fights it, but they usually come out on top. This one, are we spoiling anything now? Or are we still gonna wait a little bit? <laughs> Well, we get into it now. I yeah. I, so basically, yeah. in this one, like they don't accomplish anything. They're just pieces of garbage. Mm-hmm. They're they're not good guy. I mean, by the end, Jennifer Jason Lee kind of has a little bit of a of a redemption arc. But Jason Patrick is like a terrible person. Ninety eight percent of the runtime, he's not a good guy. Like he's yeah doing drugs, screwing people over, lying, cheating, pointing guns in people's faces. You know. There's not like any really redeeming qualities. There might be like two or three scenes where he's doing something nice for somebody and the rest are all just like him just doing stuff, doing stuff for himself. So, and I'm just used to kind of like there's in a cop movie, there's usually at least one person that's uh, the good quote unquote good guy. I mean, I guess you could consider that Sam Elliott, but he still kind of isn't good because he just goes along with the, he goes along with the, he just goes. It's clear that, it's clear that he's had all he's done all the things that they've done. It, it yeah. that's made pretty clear too, I believe, when he's confronting both of them on their duties as a cop. He definitely hints at the fact that he's been in their place before, before he, you know, before he got promoted. Yeah, I mean, he says, into, it, he says it to to, to uh, Jason Patrick's uh, character Jim. He does say like, "I've been where you were before. I know how this is like. You got to listen to me." And uh, yes. it becomes a it becomes a real trudge to get through to him. But they don't give you any details of like how he got out of the situation because no, they don't. Right when no. you're when you're a narcotics officer, what is the logical end of your time as your stint in undercover? Like you go undercover, you bust a big you know you you do a bunch of little busts, and eventually you get a big bust, and then you're I guess. Would you not be rewarded with, hey, you want some desk work now and not not be addicted to whatever drug you're doing for months on end? I mean, yeah. the logical end is you get out, right? If you don't get out, you either kill, you know, you either get killed or you you go to jail for doing illegal stuff too. So I don't know. I I have a big I think 
the plot kind of falls apart when you just think in the first five minutes. Like, there's no way in hell a supervising officer is going to let Jennifer Jason Lee's character be that guy's partner. There's no way in hell in real life. (laughs) So, like, I had a problem with that. I do not like their – oh, my God, their accents are awful. They're so bad. Um, (laughs) Trying to go for the southern twang, right? Yeah. Yeah, Like, Jason Patrick, I just watched Geronimo with uh, Walter Hill's Geronimo from, like, 93. So, like, this came out first. So, I guess he practiced his southern accent in this movie. And in that movie, uh, instead of being awful, he's – just mediocre. Like it's still, it's still not good, but it's better than this. I thought it was just, I just thought this was, um, I thought that Jason was, Patrick was too much playing. Uh, yeah, he's playing a, he, he's a, a Texan transplant. His character is originally from Montana. So I'm not really sure if he was really, I don't, maybe in some instances, instances, he seemed to be going for a more Texan, uh, do they say twang, that in the movie the, or is that from they the do book? say that in the movie? Yeah. He doesn't. No, he's in, it's in the movie. It's, maybe, it's in the maybe, movie. Maybe, he's originally from Montana. Maybe he's putting it on for his undercover role, which it could wouldn't it could make be. sense because during the movie, the guys are all you know. Uh, I forget the guy Walker basically come, come confronts him at one point and is like, "Hey, like you're buying all these drugs, you're not selling it." So like everyone, you know, some some people think you're a cop or whatever. Like, right. why would you come to some town you've never been to before? With a southern accent, like, wouldn't it make more sense if you came from out of town to not have a southern accent and be like, "Yeah, well, I am from out of town. I'm selling drugs here." <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I just thought the southern accent was over the top and not like that. Kind of ruined a little bit of the performance with me uh, for me. I get you. Yeah. Well, and and regardless of accent, he's Jason Patrick's really sort of playing a doing a Jimmy Morrison impression uh, impression from The Doors. He, that's what mm. he. You know what I mean? Like he, he yeah, he's vibing. Like I mean, the like Doors Kilmer. movie came out in 1991, also just like this movie. But he's he's basically a shoe in for the same role. I mean, doing drugs and looking hot the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. They do have a couple shirtless scenes with you know. It's like that was on purpose. Yeah. Come on, Lily, really? <laughs> no, she but, had to, man. She had to. No, nah, no, it's she had to. Well. <laughs> If she had to do him, why didn't we get to see you know who topless too? That's a fair yeah. point. I thought. I mean, oh, it's so supposed to be a, it's, it's supposed to be a sleazy movie, and then right. we have that first sex scene, which came out of that freaking left field. Uh, left field. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Left field. They, they just they yeah. just cut to. It. I did not. I did not like. That bothered yeah. me. Um, yeah. And then I'm not saying we have to see that, but I'm like. It's supposed to be a sleazy movie. You should make it the sex scenes a little sleazy, but whatever. Um, Austin's going to okay. be hating on us. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you guys watched this film and reviewed it. No. Um, yeah. And yeah. then the, the second uh, the second scene, sex scene, uh, was like, what the hell just happened? I, I don't know if what you consider that. Should we bring that up or leave it out? <laughs> conversation? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that one's... That's a, that one's... I, I think that's supposed to be some sort of a point in how their relationship has progressed altered, or changed or altered. Yeah, is, yeah exactly. This is, this, is, this is, this is the point where the addiction has actually gotten the best of them and they're sort that they're looking for this form of respite. So, you know, even exactly. after that, they're still miserable. And that was the point. I just want to go back to what I said about, uh, you know, when I was answering your question, Chris, is that, yeah. So there really isn't, there's no triumph really. There really is no triumph in this film. And the point uh, is here is that these characters not only fall into 
as I said, that hellish rut with all the demons and everything. They become, they try to live among the demons to try to bring them to justice. However, they fall so far that they can't get out. But it's not only that. They choose, both characters choose, and, you know, the spoiler here is that the, uh, what is it? Is it the mayor or the uh, the, the police chief? I, for, I, I think I forget. he's. I think he's supposed to be the police chief. I uh, I feel like. Okay. It, I feel police like it, chief or he, sheriff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like the so, lead. so. So. Okay. So the police chief is supposed to be this, you know, really big, you know, re- religious, uh, religious, like this beacon of religiosity. He's got all these morals, and he wants to bring Will Gaines to justice. The point of the film was for these characters to get Will Will Gaines arrested, to arrest him, and to frame him. For all the crime that he's been committing around, uh, I'm sure this is Houston, right? So, or it was filmed in Houston. I'm not, I'm not even sure uh, what the setting is. It's a, I... it's it's a. They say the town Carol. Uh, it starts with a K or C. It, okay, okay. I but can't, it's, yeah. it's, I can't it, even remember. It's got it's got to be a suburb of Houston. It's got to be what that's it. That's, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, definitely. So. So, so yeah, so you've got him, and he's trying to. You would think that he would be a beacon, not only not only of religi- religiosity. Naturally, he'd be a beacon of justice, right? However, he isn't. So it gets to the point where he forces, or he tells both uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and and uh, Jason Patrick's characters that you're gonna have to falsify evidence against Will Gaines. And so, you know, you're at, you're at that moment of desperation with these characters where they want to get out of this, you know, of this pit of despair. And so they fall in line. They decide to falsify evidence against Will Gaines and unfairly bring him to trial, unfairly arrest him. So besides addiction, besides falling into that mode of obsession, they're not only playing with levels of addiction, they're playing with levels of dishonesty and injustice. So in a way, when you look at the fate of Jason Patrick's character and how that all ends, it seems fitting in a way that this is what's going to happen when you do something mm-hmm. as dishonest as, as that. So, you know, in a way, the ending to me, there isn't really... It's not only about addiction and not overcoming that uh, that vice. It's also falling into that level of dishonesty and injustice and immorality that this is your fate now. This is what's going to happen to you. And it's a sad, it's it's quite a sad ending. And it is. Yeah. So that that's what I gained from it. That's what I gained from from the film. So, and, so that guy, the the police chief, uh, or Sheriff, whatever. He's played by, he, he's played by Tony Frank. I think his na- his character's name is Nettle. Chief Nettle, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Right. 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 So, I don't even think that guy. Like his his motivation is not the drugs. It, he he says it is, but I think his real problem with uh, Mister Gaines is that he's a pornographer. Yeah. He's a drug at, He's a supposed drug dealer, but he's a confirmed pornographer uh so he like he, i guess he had a storefront somewhere and I, to mm-hmm. me that I, I don't know i just didn't really like the christian fundamentalist i angle. sort of I, I i didn't like that either but i i got the idea that nettle was more just a political figure so yeah. he's i yeah. mean maybe maybe you can argue to an extent that he is after gains for a moral reason but 
he's also clearly a political figure. So I, I, he's he's doing these things for motives beyond the moral. I was I was exactly. I was really I was really hoping that that guy was going to be like the actual dr- the drug kingpin. Like I thought he was like yeah. Gaines would be reporting to that guy. That would have been so much better, in my opinion. That would have been that would have been cool too. Yeah, you um, know what? Tony I, Frank could Tony Frank could have handled that for sure because he's yeah. got that sort of low voice and he could be he was sort of imposing too. Even though he was more of a friendly character here, more imposing and more conniving than Will Gaines, honestly. <laughs> Will Gaines. <laughs> see, like, see, if if it if it had gone to that direction, I think it would have. Yeah, I agree with Ben. I think it would have been better because we, Will Gaines mainly just a quiet figure, well, the, imposing the, but a quiet figure. So in a way, when it gets to if it does get if it had gotten to the point that Nettle was behind everything, I think it would have turned out to be a better film yeah um, uh, I, I can see I, that. I think will Gaines, like as the viewer we still have absolutely zero confirmation the guy was a drug dealer we have no evidence no there isn't whatever There's no evidence at all. so like you know he had a gun in the first opening scene and he threatened the guy but he didn't kill the guy he threatened the guy because he was in his nice mercedes benz like sleeping right. off a drunk or something like okay <laughs> he threatened the guy with a gun he didn't kill him he just you know, sped off and got the guy muddy. Like that's not even that maybe, bad. That's not even that bad. So, maybe, so. so maybe, maybe that's kind of the point here. I, again, none of us have read the novel, but wouldn't it be interesting to think that the point of the movie on top of the character study with the drugs here is the fact that Greg Allman is just suggested to be the bad guy, but he really, he, he, he doesn't do anything bad in the movie other than pull out a gun and right. threaten somebody at one point. The, and we're following these two protagonists and they're doing everything terrible and immoral and it's, it's swapped. Right. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that when it builds up to that court case, it's, we don't know for sure if they've actually cheated the evidence, you know, up until that point, but then we find out the end happens and it's interesting to see that, Greg Allman's character is more of a good guy than than the protagonists are. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you assume based purely on suggestion, right? I mean, yeah. What we're shown on what we're shown scene to scene, it's kind that's kind of interesting. I I don't know if that's exactly the point or if it's transcribed exactly like that from the novel, but um, mm-hmm. I'd give I'd give the movie credit for that if that's if that's the intent to show that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I I think. Um, yeah, now that you bring that up, that's probably a way that you're. If if it wasn't the direct, I I, if it wasn't the director, also, that's probably the script writer, right? That's the point. Probably, probably, and I think, I think a majority of what we're talking about. I mean, the, I think the movie is meant to be taken seriously, and we're we're totally taking it seriously. I, I was also just as a reminder, this was completely su- suggested to me as an over the top, sort of cornball movie. I don't know if that really describes I, what we saw. Um, I think it was over the top, though, in the sense that it just kind of went balls to the wall without really caring about the actual facts of how procedures happen. And I mean, as you said before, Ben, we get from scene to scene, we kind of skip a whole bunch of important stuff. We don't actually see them do the work by a certain point in the film. It just gets cut to their conversations with Sam Elliott. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah. it goes from, you know, we're looking for drugs to 
we have drugs and we're cutting it because we want to do it the drugs. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. I I think I really want to do. I really want to point out that the best scene in the the best scene in the movie is when they're getting drugs from the drug dealer and um, Jennifer. I forget her name in the movie. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character does does uh, heroin Kristen. for the Kristen does. Yeah. She does drugs for the first time and uh that one drug dealer like basically forces her to I do it. That scene was 100% awesome. agree. That mm. scene well not only that but gosh, I meant to look up the guy's name. The gentleman who <laughs> plays the drug dealer. Yeah, yeah is yeah. awesome. He's I've seen that guy from somewhere. I just can't pinpoint as to where. Uh, his name's Special spe- his name's Special K McCray and special he plays a character K. called called Willie Red. <laughs> and Yeah. What's cool about the character, I mean, he's into his character. He's he's imposing, he's sort of chill at the same time. Yeah. But the little character quirk he has is he's 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 asthmatic. on his asthma medicine. I yeah. love that. <laughs> and I, I did like I, that I, re- I really, really, really liked that. It was it was a cool little character quirk mm-hmm. that I think worked in his favor. Right, and every time that he he was holding his pistol in hand, I I, I was kind of oh, sort of like hand to the mouth. I'm like, oh gosh, jeez! It's like it could go yeah. off at any moment. Really, the way any he moment. was performing with that gun in in hand, I'm like, oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he I thought he was probably the most entertaining aspect of uh, of the entire film. So, well, that scene is the best, not only because of the editing, they keep going back and forth from him doing his creepy little, you know, spiel about how drugs are the best thing ever. And makes you feel like you're floating on a field of titties or something. Some crazy line. (laughs) Crazy, Um, crazy line. Like that guy's definitely (laughs) high on his out off his rocker. Um, Right. But you have him there doing his thing. And then you got Jason Patrick, Skilled at doing drugs, you know, he's undercover, but he's skilled at doing drugs that he can, you know, put the, the, I don't know what it is. A rubber bit makes your vein stick out when you're sticking yourself with a needle. Yeah. Yeah. He's good enough that he can do that by himself, pull it with his teeth. He's doing drugs. And then it goes to Jennifer Jason Lee's character and she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. He has to help Mm -hmm. her. And that's just kind of, just that's like the whole, that's the whole movie right there. He's helping her get fucked up on drugs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And well, and while we're on this scene, I do want to say that another part that I appreciated about this film is how it captures, to some level, innocence being destroyed, because yes. we're seeing we're seeing Jennifer Jason Lee go down this hole because of Jason Patrick, but it's that yes. moment it's that moment in that scene where it finally destroys the innocence she has. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that up I, too. Yeah, that's a good way to yeah. And it's akin to my mention of French Connection too. Not that Gene Hackman's character had pure innocence or anything, but the fact that he was anti-drug and then got sucked down the hole of drugs, it just totally transformed. It transformed the character. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I could throw a few more examples too. I mean, it's the same thing that happens in Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. If you guys have seen that, still. <laughs> okay, so I won't, I guess I won't spoil it for you, but one of the characters, it's one of Laura's friends, basically sees her in what she does and then falls down the same hole. And it's, it's another, it's another really gut wrenching moment of seeing innocence destroyed. 
so it's it's a it's a very strong emotional pattern with these drug storylines that I think works. And if anything, I think that's what worked here in this movie, if only for that one scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the whole film is sort of like a slow descent, and you're seeing that journey of Kristen slowly losing her innocence as the film keeps going. And yeah, yes. that was something I also wanted to mention. So really quickly, going back to the use of Eric Clapton, I know Ben's not a fan. No, Chris, I'm, I'm were, a fan. Were you... Oh, no, no, I, I know, but I mean, like, in terms of, like, just the fact that Lily got him to, you know, I, I do think the music his, you said. I think his score is good. I think it's overused. They they use him, okay. they drop yeah. him too much, but I do like his music, and I do think the score is probably the, one of the best aspects of the film. One of the best. Okay, I, I agree with that. What, what about you, Chris? What did you think about the use of Eric Clapton? Yeah, Clapton uses this really fiery, sometimes twangy, electric guitar and it it sort of invoked a stevie ray vaughn feel which i think is exactly what he was going for and agreed i i I think to an extent it's it's a really good soundtrack Um, yeah i agree you know it, it it fits the atmosphere of what of what miss lily is trying to achieve here um i think it's i think it's just a it's a matter of all these other factors that are not quite lining up to meet something really great. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, see, like I, I really enjoy... So, the one scene that I really wanted to talk about, and this, this also relates to what we just spoke about with Kristen's character and her loss of innocence. So, the use of the song Tears, uh, Tears in Heaven. That is a song, I don't know about, about you guys, but Tears in Heaven was a song that, one of the many songs that I grew up listening to uh, when I was a kid. And that scene where, wherein, you know, she's been through that journey going down into that, into the drug-addicted environment. Yeah. She, yeah, it gets to the point where, you know, she's lost everything, basically. She's quit the police force. Uh, she has testified well not really testified in terms of like what had truly happened but she had given her side of the story as to what had had happened and the scene cuts and you get to see her running along the beach just alone and tears in heaven starts playing and i i know there are other scenes uh, other other films that utilize the sense of relief but the the yeah. amount of relief that I felt in that scene where when tears of tears of heaven's playing over her running along the beach, it felt really nice, honestly. Cathartic, and I thought cathartic that that, in a way. Very cathartic, like very yeah. very cathartic. Even you know you see because you know you you kind of feel for her. You you see that she's just kind of been thrown into, she's been thrown into an environment in which she just just didn't know what she was getting into, and then you know fresh out of the police academy she had gone through all of that with her partner uh jim and just getting to that scene where she loses jim and she she's trying to get over that trauma and this just when the scene cuts to her running on the beach and tears in heaven starts playing it is such a cathartic scene and i would say that probably probably one of my favorite scenes out of this entire film was that well i'm glad you highlighted that that's I feel that might be an underappreciated moment 
I, yeah, I think so too. Even if there are other great. people, who, yeah, even if there are other people who enjoy that song as you do, mm-hmm. I was unfamiliar with that song as far as oh, really? any sort of nostalgia callback. It's it's a personal uh, song. It kind of relates to what Ben was saying when he was telling the story about how Lily got Eric Clapton. But I, I read it differently. I thought I read somewhere that because Eric Clapton made uh, he wrote that song for his son who passed away, and I think. Okay. The, I think the I think the story was I don't know if it's true, but he didn't want to use that song particularly in this movie. No, and he, Lily he did. was trying to convince him. He did. Other he did way, want to. Other way around. He, she didn't want to use it, and he did. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I guess I read it somewhere okay. else. And, oh, I mean, okay. And, and, right. Unless she straight up lied on the commentary, which you know, don't put it past people to, to lie about stuff <laughs> that happened thirty years ago. But he it wa- feels it, it, okay. He, he thought he thought that the song fit. I don't. I don't know if they even had an exchange, but basically, I think I would assume it was written into his contract that he got the calls on all the mo- all the songs, and she was trying to persuade him not to use it because she thought it was way too personal. Um, it seems more fitting that he thought it was way too personal and didn't want to use it, and she tried to get him to use it for her movie. But okay, if that's the way the story went, then okay. I, I don't. Right. I don't know. You got to call up Miss Zanuck and uh, ask her what what's the deal. Did you lie to us? <laughs> yeah, you could care to testify. No. <laughs> yeah, it, I see. <laughs> it, it it only take like three seconds on the stand for to get her to uh, fold. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, um, one aspect that might be controversial amongst all of us, um, but I want to bring it up. And Chris, I don't know if you got this idea, but I feel like you can probably attest to some of it as to what I'm going to say. Is that Okay, I'm not I'm not trying to compare both filmmakers. Lily is nothing compared to this particular English auteur that I'm about to bring up. But there okay. so we 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 just basically criticized her, you know, filmmaking sensibilities. It's obviously, yeah, first time director here this and that, uh yada 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 whatever. But there's a certain feel as to her 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 direction there's a quiet and calculating nature to certain scenes and then you could see you could kind of hear that in the way jason patrick plays his character or you know even the very like heart-wrenching scene in the very uh, towards the very end between him and and jennifer jason lee's character where he gets shot in that in that trailer there is a sort of so what what I want to say is that this sort of quiet and calculating nature seems a bit akin to Hitchcock because Hitchcock utilizes that he utilizes those those emotions very well in his oh movies. interesting yeah I mean do you see what I'm saying Chris it's, I, I'm I not do try- because- yeah I'm not trying to compare both filmmakers I'm just trying to compare I'm just trying to say that Lily has a sort of sensibility in utilizing quiet and calculating natures in her direction. And it feels it kind of reminded me of Hitchcock. Like that's pretty much all I wanted to say. I'm definitely not comparing both both directors. She's no, nowhere. That's a really cool and clever pickup on your part, uh-huh. Kevin. It's yeah. I mean, Hitchcock was known for even especially doing something as specific as a man and a woman in the spotlight, or as leading players in a moving plotline, and. The connection's also interesting that you, because 
usually in a Hitchcock film, you have a man and a woman who are trying to fight for their lives in some way, or they are also entangled in some sort of romantic subplot, or it's the whole main point of the movie, right? regardless of what else is going on. So it's, it's even sort of similar that way, but I, I see how I see what you're saying about the quiet calculating moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just something that like these little tidbits, Hey, it's sort of Hitchcocky in in a way, but you know, as a whole, of course, like, you know, she's nowhere in the same league as Alfred Hitchcock is. It's just the utilization of those certain emotions within film. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I could I could give uh, Miss Lily credit for that. I like that. It's again, that's a clever. It's a clever and forgiving observation. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> it's my boy Hitchcock, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love Hitchcock. But anyways, yeah. Uh, anything else about Rush that we'd like to talk about? Do you think? Well, I. Go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, do you guys think that it was normal for undercover narcotics officers, once they make a bunch of drug busts, to walk through the jail so everyone could see who they were in their faces? (laughs) No. (laughs) That was entirely ridiculous. I was like, are you guys serious? There's no way in hell you'd be caught dead in here with these guys looking at you. And then, you know there's a confrontation and he's like, yeah, if you want to try to come kill me, I'll kill you. And it's like, you're, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so all of these, all of these things that we're making fun of, I think are the exact reasons why Austin lo- loves this movie. Other yeah. than the fact that because I read his review, I know that it's also nostalgic for him because he's from the Houston area. So right. there's yeah, some enough. sort of things. Yeah. So there's some sort of home vibe and nostalgic vibe that I think hits pretty strong for him here. But I also think that because of how he introduced this movie to me, all the reasons that we're sort of tearing it apart are the reasons that he might love it, which, you know, it it's, I mean, it depends on when you see the movie. If you see the movie at almost 30 years old, I mean, it's very different than seeing it as, you know, you knew, you knew it was from your hometown. You saw it at 13, 14. Mm-hmm. It's a very impressionable age to be watching a movie from, you know, if I had a movie mm-hmm. that was made five miles from my house or 10 miles from my house, I'd be yeah. all about it. No matter what, mm-hmm. probably. Well, I don't know I about, I don't know if you guys, feel. it's a cozy feel. And I don't know yeah. if you guys also have one or two movies, if at all, where you can excuse flaws for lack of a better word, because you just love everything else about it so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be the case for this movie here, too, if if you were to not take it so seriously and just kind of go with the flow. But I also think that our qualms are reasonable. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, if, if, yeah. You're, if you're critically so. if you're critically reviewing something, it's much different than just like having a good time with a movie that you don't care. Oh, this is kind of flawed, but I don't care because I like it. Like, yeah. exactly. Very, very well, different it's, ways, whole- it's very different ways to analyze a movie. It's the whole objective subjective thing, right? So I do want to say before we move on to something else that the, another movie I wanted to reference in comparison to this with a cop being dragged into the hellish nature of the job is Michael Mann's Manhunter, 
which came out a yes. few years prior to this. I so that film doesn't deal with drugs, but William Peterson's character, Agent Graham, certainly has a problem with all constantly, constantly getting into the mind of the villain and the whole issue or character complex that's going on is him having this battle of losing himself in the fight to capture evil. So it's an interesting, it's another interesting aspect to look at because it's, it's this whole idea of good versus evil in the cop world where they're suggesting that the good guys need to think like the bad guys in order to capture the bad guys. Right. Um, and well, also it's, a, it's, it's Graham uh, uh, revisiting his traumas, revisiting, he's going back into that demonic yes. world of, uh, of, of obsession and, and traumatization. And it's a very interesting, yeah, uh, that's a good comparison. Well, and, and the line gets crossed, right? So th- then the question becomes, you know, is he, is he actually a good guy or is he because the moral problem is he starts to think of himself as the villain, you know, right. is he, is, is he the villain pretending to be someone else? Is he actually still himself or the good guy? So it, there's an interesting, maybe it's overdone in today's day and age, but it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a very powerful character conundrum. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's very well done. It's a very good Michael Mann film. I need to re- one. And, I need to and, revisit. Yeah. yeah, and and it's the whole reason I bring it up again is because you have both Michael Manhunter by Michael Mann and Rush by Miss Lily here. They mm-hmm. are both focusing on the overlap is the cop world and where the line gets grayed and who's good, who's evil, and how that changes. Again, bringing up the point of how in Rush, we really don't see Greg Allman's character, Will Gaines, do anything nearly as bad as the protagonists who we are told are the good guys. Right. So that whole aspect to me, just I didn't really think about it this way before tonight. So while discussing this with you guys, I've actually sort of talked myself into appreciating that aspect a little bit more. And I don't know if that was intentional by Miss Lily as the director, uh-huh. or if that comes from the source material. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. I agree. That's I think, really, that's really interesting. I think the source material is kind of based off of basically there was a book written about things that actually happened in the seventies and there was some kind of lawsuit against the authors and it's a whole thing. I think it's, you can read a brief description on, you know, probably Wikipedia about it, but um, yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of movies done about police corruption and framing, uh, framing, absolutely framing either innocent people or framing, you know, gangsters or drug dealers who are, they know who are guilty, but they have no evidence to, but I think this this movie kind of focuses a lot more on just the the descent into darkness and you know drug addiction and I mean it's 
drug mm-hmm. drug addiction is nothing you want to fuck with. I mean, if, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, and if there's anything that part of the that part of the movie takes that part seriously for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, and I, again, I, it's also it's also. Go on, Ben. I was just gonna say, I think I think there's a little bit of kind of funniness with how uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character like starts to do drugs, but yet she's like, oh yeah, I'll just look at myself in the shower and realize like I'm all, you know, she's like looking at her arms and seeing all the needle marks. And she's yeah. like, I'm just going to get sober now and, and save this guy instead. You know, I'm good. I, I was <laughs> yeah, like, what are you? He, so it was, <laughs> that's true. Too. <laughs> yeah. There's some like just funniness and I'm not sure like if it's just like, did they keep the script so close to the book and the book, I, I, I want to say the script took the book and the planting evidence part and then just completely wrote a, a script based off of whatever the writer was thinking. Like, I, I don't, I want to say they're very different. I want to say just took that one yeah, that's aspect. A possibility. And it was paraphrased from the source material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, uh, I think that you should watch this movie if you like the, it's the the hybrid 70s 90s aesthetic because i think it's a little bit more 90s and 70s unfortunately like if you take the cars away it's it's a 90s movie it looks like what was was what year was roadhouse and that might be early 80s i forget but it looks like early 90, 80s i think it looks like 1989 to me like the hair the hairdo from just yeah. from just about everyone like jason patrick's hair is like yeah. straight up 1989 like that mullet his hair is that, totally that, yeah that fake <laughs> the fake totally. mullet even what he's the, wearing i don't <laughs> Yeah, he's like just wearing like a regular. It just looks like '90s, but regardless, I I think if you like that aesthetic, if you like um, if you like focusing on characters and maybe not as much plot, you'll definitely enjoy this mm-hmm. probably a lot more than I did. Um, I, and I, if I, you like, and if you like the very specific niche of of a cop drama that devolves into drug use you will also like this movie. Which, if you do like that, and you're a cop, um, we might have... Is there a helpline that we got that you can call? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. No. It's definitely a movie that surprised me, and I was not expecting at all what I saw. I was expecting just like a straightforward, like, yep, yeah, we're busting dudes. Like We might do a couple of bad things under the table, whatever, but like, yeah, it really wasn't like that. In the end, was I was like expecting, that. yeah, nothing like that at all. In the end, I was expecting, you know, oh, yeah, uh, instead, it's a journey between characters suffering, getting into addiction, and wasn't just merely about what happens when you fall into the addiction hole, but also what happens when you play with levels of uh, dishonesty and immorality. And uh, yeah, I thought that was like pretty much one of the interesting factors of. Or one of the interesting elements of the whatever thematic delivery Lily wanted to bring about. Oh, okay, that that just joggled my brain. We forgot to mention yeah. Max Perlick's character Walker. I think. Oh, he did. I think it is one interesting character, kind of like this blue collar drug addict slash. I don't think he really did any drug dealing. I think he was just like connecting other drug users to drug dealers he bought from. Yeah. But that's all he was doing. But in the end, they try to turn him into a rat. And that dude who like is, you know, more or less if you ask any like outstanding citizen, like, 
hey, what do you think about people who like do meth and heroin and stuff? Like they'd say they're like, oh, horrible person. They're, you know, whatever. Like that guy actually had some sense of honor because he would not rat on his friends. He freaking kills himself in the end yeah. because he felt mm-hmm. so bad about ratting on his friends that he's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not running away. I'm just like, I'm going to end it here, and which is pretty sad. And But like. Well, Ben, in another example there of a guy who we are suggested as a bad guy who maybe does one or two not so great things, but then in comparison to our protagonists is possibly a better person with some sort of principle than, than our, than our supposed good guys. Yeah. I mean, again, I I think it's just the, the point is it's very gray and not black and white. I mean, the only thing that's black and white is drugs are going to fuck you up. Like don't do them that's probably a bad call. Like that was basically the one thing that's like, yes, I don't think it was like a message per se, but it was basically just like, this is an awful decision. Do not do this. Um, well, yeah. yeah so, so interesting too, though, is it, I think it clearly gets that across, but the other thing too, is it, it's sort of stylish as hell. So like it makes, it makes the drug paraphernalia and the drug drug scene look really cool. So it's it's got a very opposite. I, I guess it depends on who you are, because. Well, I think the drug all, scene. All three of us, all three of us agree that it's like, yeah, you don't want to touch the drugs. Like, don't, you know, right. don't do them. But but at the same time, when you, if you if you look back at the movie, the style is very sleek. It's sexy. It it's it's got this other sort of appeal to it that it doesn't hide away from. I agree, and I think that might be the the 70s inspiration because the 70s drug scene, well, even the 60s drug scene and 70s drug scene, very different from late 80s, 90s drug scene. I mean, by then, ev- the whole public was like, yep, drugs are bad. Uh, all our kids are going to do the D.A.R.E. class in school. And uh, Well, then you had AIDS also. Well, a right. big thing at that. Yeah. Sure, but I'm just saying, like, it made it look cool, but, like, if Sorry, you, was that a weird thing to bring up? <laughs> Chris, what do you think about it? So it has been reaction going like, "Oh yeah, well." Uh. <laughs> was, that's I tried. So I tried to sidestep. I tried to. I didn't know Sorry, what to do in that situation. I like, just really wanted to say, "Are AIDS. you insinuating that I have AIDS, Chris?" No. no. <laughs> um, Highlighted the episode right there. Let's end it. Yeah, so I, I'm just gonna oh. cut that. I'm gonna cut out no, no, the, Those 30 seconds are going right no, at the, right at the beginning. <laughs> no, it's not. You're gonna have to keep that in there. That was hilarious. Or you, you have to find some sort of really cool like sound effects to play along with that. Yeah, because you've been hey. you've been nailing that. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll just put what 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 Queen song do you want? Oh no, nonchalant. Oh man, that one. <laughs> oh, man. it was so fun. drugs will rock you. How about that? <laughs> drugs will. Yep, they will. They'll rock you up, man. Oh, so funny. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go, go ahead and look. It's so funny. No, you're good. <laughs> I was just saying, I think I think the drug scene in any movie after like 1995 is just like this stuff is awful. It ruins people. And this this movie was doing the same thing. But I think the drug scene, as you said, was stylish for the most part, except for William Sadler's character, who's was disgusting. Uh, the guy with I the, loved his overalls. I loved <laughs> I would have loved his overalls better if he had underwear on. But whatever. No, that's how you have to wear them, <laughs> Chris. Do, do you wear Do you wear overalls, Chris? 
Um, oh. I'm giving you guys the wrong picture here. All right. All right. <laughs> AIDS, overalls, okay. no underwear. What's going on? I wonder what's next, Chris. <laughs> I got to make a hat trick here. So let's, <laughs> let's see what happens in the next few minutes. Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note, I'm just going to shut up and, and not finish my point. <laughs> oh, you got it now. Come on. Oh, Come on, last point. <laughs> I just think that drugs are obviously portrayed now as awful. And um, this movie does that, but at the same time, it kind of, yeah, okay, maybe it, maybe it says, maybe it can, you can get the, hey, drugs are awful from this movie, but also it's like, hey, like, you want to like snort, snort cocaine in like a loud bar with like Southern Rock playing, like kind of a cool thing to do back in the seventies. Like people would do that. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I think that yeah. I think you're right. Like the Stevie Ray Vaughan esque backdrop is definitely not appealing to a modern day audience but to people that lived in the 70s watching this movies and watching this movie in 1991 might have been like hey i remember those times those were kind of cool and then then proceeds to see two people like their lives fall apart maybe it's going to persuade them differently i don't know right right but i'm i'm waiting for another like chris just deadpan joke um <laughs> Don't fail me. I don't think I got you got you got like a minute, man. No. Oh, I can't wait to re-listen to that. So, I'm just gonna cut the episode right. right. So, I'm cutting the episode before that. So no, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, Ben. So let me ask. All right, Ben and Kevin. So yeah. why don't I just segue into this? You figure out who wants to go first, but let's do ratings. Mm-hmm. Kevin goes first. Okay. What's a three out of five? Is that a six out of ten? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's math, guys. I think that's Ben's specialty. That you so, you, so you're giving it, it. You're giving it three out of five. <laughs> three out of five. That, that's mainly. That, that's really not because of uh, story or anything. That's really just due to certain technical aspects that Lily is able to accomplish here. This movie doesn't really float my boat. Just like Ben, I'm not. Uh, I'm not crazy about it. Sorry, Austin. Yeah, but I'm not crazy about Rush. Um, I'm All not right. crazy about Rush as a film, as a story. It's really just I can appreciate some aspects of the film. Heck, this could be even a little bit lower than three than a six out of ten. But you know, Kevin, yeah, you're nice. too you're too it's, nice in your ratings. I, I know. Yeah. Official I, Kevin score before. six. Unofficial score six. less. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, it could it, it, you just watch it could decrease. You, you just reminded me the movie's called Rush, but I get no sense of Rush like. Like I'm assuming that means drug rush. Like you're getting a rush from doing it. Like to me, yeah. it just felt like rush or adrenaline. Exactly. Yeah. That one scene that we mentioned earlier, where uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character does it for the first time, maybe there, oh. and maybe in the scene where she does that pill and she gets super jacked up and just like falls asleep in a telephone booth. But like, oh yeah, it still wasn't right. like a rush. Mm-hmm. It was just like, hey, you're like you're literally Warm. so jacked up right now that you can't even function i don't know whatever lethargy it's lethargy all right (laughs) so you gave you gave it a six (laughs) yeah he gave it pretty nice with that he gave it a six with an asterisk um yeah i'm going to give it four out of ten so on letterbox two out of five one star for eric clapton's sexy guitar and another star for um 
reminding me that drugs are bad. Even though I didn't need that reminder, but yeah, drugs drugs are bad, guys. If you take any away any anything away from this episode, take that. <laughs> oh no way, drugs are bad. Also, it's... Uh, all three of us are on <laughs> drugs right now. <laughs> no, just we're we have a rush because we have an, an adrenaline for cinema. Right. That's right. That's right. All right. So, <laughs> so my rating, I I was at a two and a half out of five. I think I talked myself to a three because okay. of the moral gray area, um, and also the fact that it was pointed out to me that we never actually see anything bad happen with Will Gaines, and then we watch all the good guys do all the bad stuff. Sort of obvious, but not really until we talked it through. And I really like that. It's an interesting aspect to the movie. And I don't know if that's really credit for the director or credit for the source material as we discussed. But it's it's interesting nonetheless. And I, I bump it to a three out of five. All right. I'm going so to I want to redo boat. my rating two out of five for the two sh- uh, shotgun shells that go into Will Gaines face in the end of this movie. Spoilers. <laughs> Um, and and if we were to rate a scene i i think i'd honestly give a five out of five out of that special k mccray scene um Mm. because you're floating on a cloud of titties floating on a cloud of titties (laughs) and whatever he 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 was just so good and that was that scene was like over the top but also it was also dramatic and yeah had enough weirdness to it that i just i loved everything about it it was over the top, but it, it, yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at it. it. It almost doesn't really fit the film, but it actually it, felt it, 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 it actually felt Lynchian, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because because you have a drug dealer that's an asthmatic, and it's like, when do you ever see that right. pop up? Right. <laughs> hey man, he's not smoking crack. He's just putting it in his veins, straight in his veins. <laughs> All right, so we found some Hitchcockian and some Lynchian here in rush okay i would agree with i would agree with chris yeah five out of five for that scene also five out of five for the scene with Kristen running down the beach and tears yeah you really like that scene yeah i like that scene a lot yeah yeah i mean out of everything in this film it's like i haven't felt anything as cathartic as that it's it it worked it worked really well so but anyway yeah that's cool i don't know if ben um yeah that whole that whole song part was it was a good thing you brought that up too, Kevin, because I wasn't really familiar with the song, but um, I can't believe you didn't know that song. Well, <laughs> it's one of those things where I have definitely heard it at some point, but it's not like something I'd be like, Oh yeah, that song. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. it's a great, so yeah, I love that song. <clears throat> so, but yeah. Ben, All right. So Ben, did you do, did you do the quick math there? What's uh what's the, the searchers score on rush? Are we, we're yeah. ra- are we rounding nearest decimals up or down? Uh, I would just do that uh, to the half, I guess. Right. All right. So if nearest we're around out of five, nearest half, or, or yeah, well, are we doing five out of five? It's or a out five. Of it's a five point three three. So five point three three okay. out of ten. So what would that be? A five out of ten or a five point five out of ten? I would do the five point five. Five point five. You guys are too generous. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm going to be. <laughs> well, sorry, you, man. you would keep it five point three. No, I, I, well, I would either say go down to five, right? Five or five point three, yeah. But five, whatever. Okay. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The, the listeners yeah, can, can do whatever. They can do whatever calculations <laughs> they need to do, fing, finger fudging their numbers to get what they like out of it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
you know, just yeah, cool. just split the line of coke. You put it up your net. What? You divide it this way and that way. Yeah. Yeah. We all get it. We all get a third. Here's a line. No. <laughs> Drugs are bad, <laughs> it's people. Not, it's not peer pressure. It's just your turn. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> all right. That's the uh, average rating score. One more fun fact, guys. I don't know if you know about this really quickly. Did you know that Jennifer Jason Lee was, is older than Jason Patrick? I did not. Yeah, they made, her, they, made, they, like, they made her look like a baby in this movie. I know. Until, yeah, well, they made her, it, until she it, did it, drugs. It looked like... It looked like a dude taking a, a little girl's innocence. Well, that's what happens. She he takes away her innocence. But man, like when I when I looked when I was researching this film, I was like, wait a minute, wow, she's older than Jason Paxter. Jeez, yeah, yeah, looked like a baby. Anyway, how much older? <laughs> I mean, he was like thirty, what, thirty one, thirty two when this came out. No, I think he was Something younger. Like, he was. He's younger. No, I think yeah. I think he was twenty six. Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and when I and when he I look at, when I look older. at him. Yeah, when I look at him, I'm like, I'm <laughs> like dude, how are you? How are you 26 dude. with? I don't know, man. With that, <laughs> the whole the whole thing, the body, the, the yeah, you know. I know. Well, I, I can see the body, the 80s <laughs> 80s Hollywood. Like, you're not eating; you're just gonna have like six pack abs and like and yeah. smoke cigarettes, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I can Pretty see much. that, but <laughs> yeah, wow, he was 20. Yeah. He was 25. 25. Yep. And shortly thereafter, or right around the time of filming, he was dating Julia Roberts, I think. Really? Also yeah. fun fact. Also fun Was fact. Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride? Yes. Okay, <laughs> boom. Sorry, Austin. I didn't like the movie from your hometown, but Runaway Bride is from my hometown. They filmed the oh. runaway scene five miles from my house. Don't like the movie, so but... You- that's how you get the oh, connection. I thought you were going to say you, hey, I thought I thought you, were gonna say you love the movie. Gonna, no, anything, yeah, know, anything with you... Richard Gere is probably trash, but whatever. Oh, really? Ooh, even including that Kurosawa film that uh, Richard Gere was a part of? <laughs> that was he, that Dreams? Yeah, I think that's Dreams, yeah. I mean, I haven't even seen it. But if yeah, Richard Gere is talking to a bunch of people that he can't communicate with, then it's probably okay. But if he can oh, speak, okay. if they can speak English, it's probably bad. Boys, we come full circle because Richard Gere was in French Connection too. I think. No. no. One of one of his early roles. One of his early. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm not effing that up. <laughs> and then we can end this. We can end this bad boy. All right. We almost had. We almost had it at hour fifteen, but we had to go over. It's fine. <laughs> we had. We had. To, we had to go it over. Just had to happen. All Sorry, right. Folks. All right. Come on. We got forty more minutes in us. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> I think I'm incorrect. I must be. I must be remembering a different movie. All right, good. So never mind. It has a chance. I might actually like it. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Who's ending this thing? Uh, it never ends. The rush never ends. We're gonna keep doing drugs <laughs> till we, till we go numb. <laughs> Don't stop till you're numb. Where's the what movie's that from? Come on, someone's gonna tell me. Uh you don't know. I don't even know. I don't think I know. The, depart- know. the Departed, where Jack Nicholson just shoves that like stripper's oh. face in the coke. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't stop till you're numb. I gotta, I gotta watch that again. <laughs> yeah, I like Rush the band. By the way, I don't know if you guys like Rush, but I like Rush, man. Rush, ten out of ten. I was like, dude, band. we're we're what? Chris wants us to rock. Chris wants us to watch a freaking documentary about Rush the band. That is amazing. And then I was like, oh no, it's not. No.
I'm kidding. That almost, that almost, yeah, that probably would have been better. I shouldn't even say almost or probably that, that would have been better, better, I think, if we were to do that. But enough shade at this movie. Let's give Thanks Austin, shout out to Austin one more time. <laughs> Dr. Hey, Ostentatious. Yeah. Don't hate me too um, much. Dr. Ostentatious on Letterboxd, people. All right, and that's it for this week's episode on Rush. We'll see you here next week on Hump Day. Good night. Podcast. If you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies, you can find us on Letterboxd. Ben at Giant13, Chris at Ziglet underscore Mer, and me at Kevin Chan. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com. Until next time, people.